You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. My guest today is Kelly Lang, who has had a stellar career with her songs being recorded by artists such as Ricky Skaggs, Lori Morgan, The Oak Ridge Boys, which many of you have seen on my show, Crystal Gale, George Jones, the late B.J. Thomas, Jerry Lee Lewis, and of course her husband, T.G. Shepard, just to name a few. (laughs) Well, she has also performed and recorded duets with iconic artists Sir Barry Gibb, Dame Olivia Newton-John, Paul Schaefer, and Lee Greenwood. Well, Kelly has a brand new autobiography out, I'm Not Going Anywhere, an inspiring journey of a 17-year breast cancer survivor, shares her journey of healing that brought her through the ups and downs of life, which includes the unfolding of her incredible love story with country music legend T.G. Shepard. And with the foreword being written by friend and fellow breast cancer survivor, Dame Olivia Newton-John, the book provides life lessons and showcases Kelly Lang's positive attitude during some of the most trying of times. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome back the wonderful Kelly Lang. Welcome, Kelly. Uh, Thank you for having me, doctor. I appreciate you having me on today. You bet. And you look like a bright ray of sunshine with the beautiful (laughs) yellow today. I absolutely love it. So you look great. Well, you wouldn't have wanted me otherwise. I I ran out of the house as fast as I could to go take care of some things for my mom. And, um, her her things come first always so i uh, i'm happy to be here whatever style i'm in <laughs> well there you go well you know as i was reading your book tell us about some of the memories that you uncovered by unpacking the boxes that belong to you and your husband tg shepherd oh my goodness you know i i uh, have been guilty i guess a lot of us have been of, of just stashing things when we would move into a home i would just stash the boxes if we hadn't needed them in the last year or so i didn't feel the need to really unpack them because it it was overwhelming it was too many with my life with tg's life our careers in the past it it just was sitting in a storage bin for a long time until we moved them into the garage and during the pandemic i thought you know i'm really bored what can i do to improve our life here if we were to ever move i would not want to have to move all of these boxes let's just dig through them and tg was really dragging his heels he did not want to deal with this but um, i'm so glad we did we found i think there was like 21 22 billboard awards on beautiful brass plaques that have all of the list of the songs that were number ones and his was these were his uh, number one plaques and um, <clears throat> so we polished all of those off and I had him tell me the story behind each of these. There were several awards that I had never seen, you know, cause these, these have been packed away a long, long time. And um, we just, it was really, really sweet doctor because we got to relive his career again. And then we got into my boxes and my career. And it was so fun because we know the same people. We had the same friends in different capacities. You know, he was, on top of the charts, I was just starting off, but it's the same dynamic. We had um, so many things more in common than we even thought we did. And, you know, then I ran across a bunch of scrap papers and I was just trying to get rid of as much, just extra weight. And I, I, I paused and I looked at these papers and I'm like, oh my goodness, 
these are all of the notes that I had written down during my breast cancer diagnosis. And it, it stopped me in my tracks because I'd forgotten a lot of the details. And at one time, the doctor and I were talking about how serious my diagnosis was. And I said, am I going to, am I going to die? And she said, you know, you never know with cancer. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I said, so are we talking, do I need to make videos for my kids or am I, am I good to go? And she goes, well, it, it would probably be pretty smart to do that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so instead of doing videos, I just decided to jot down just for their knowledge, if nothing else. I really had thought about doing a book at one time, but that's just so overwhelming. It didn't ever pan out. Um, but I was telling my friends what I had found, and she said, oh, Kelly, that would be so helpful to people all these years later to have inspiration from the fact that you're still here. And it, it makes sense. I'm not going anywhere song that has been out um, as an Ascension Hospital song to help people with inspiration with that. It would be a good combination at this time in your life. And I said, I said, no, <laughs> I was <kind> of scared <laughs> Well, but let I'm me really ask you something. Let me ask you something about the, the breast cancer, because in your book, you mm -hmm. really tell the story from the very beginning. And, you know, what was your first thought when you were diagnosed? Because they found two places. There was the, the, the one tumor that was basically the size of an egg. And then there was the other tumor, but they were really two different things. So they what were. was your thought? I mean, I knew nothing of cancer. I was 36. I had just signed with a new record label. I was traveling all over the world. Um, I, I'd never done a self-exam before in my life. I happened to be watching Oprah Winfrey's show. <laughs> and she was doing a, a breast cancer under 40 show. And I thought, ah, I'm under 40. You know, I was 36 with two little kids at the time. And she kept saying, you know what? just do a self-exam just just stop what you're doing right now and i think she was like 26 and i had i had nothing better to do so i did my first exam that day and that's when i found the two spots under my left arm and i had a, a regular oncology appointment coming up within the next few months so i mentioned it to her and she said yeah i mean i see them there but you're a little too young i thought well no because that uh, that girl I saw was not, you know, so she said, well, let's just, let's just wait and see what these look like. So several months later, I um, kept being reminded of these magazines and, and articles that were being brought to my attention. I think it's God winking at you, you know, and um, I didn't know there was a difference between a diagnostic mammogram and a regular mammogram. So I just requested the best and doctor, it didn't even show up in a mammogram or the ultrasound. I had to really ask the technician if I could hold the ultrasound wand and put it where I was feeling the, the pain or the not, not pain, but the knots. And I might've offended her a little bit, but the lesson that I hope my readers can be able to take from that is, you know, sometimes you know your body better than anybody. And I love doctors, but sometimes they don't feel exactly what the patient is feeling sometimes. And so, I took a chance on upsetting her a little bit, which I'm sure I did, but it saved my life. I don't know where I would be at this point if I had not been a little bit um, persistent with my own health. Yeah, I think that you have to be. And, and to have, have somebody say, oh, 
you know, we can, you know, let's just watch it. Yeah. Why watch it when you could actually start looking right now to make sure? Because who wants to have the lingering thought? Is it really something I need to be worried about? If they're not, you know, some people, if the doctor says, oh, we're not worried about it at the moment. Usually the patient just kind of takes that. Well, they're not worried about it. Then I'm not going to worry about it. That's, but, that's the form I took for a and, long time, but it, it started bothering me. It started yeah. like hurting me. And then I, I would, I mentioned this in the book as well. I would, when I would take a shower, I would feel for it and just hope it was going to go away. You know, I just, I don't know. I just naively didn't know anything about it. And, um, I will tell you when the doctor told me that I had cancer, part of me was not surprised. Part of me had been giving, been given so many hints uh, of friends that were recently diagnosed or stories that I would just happen to keep seeing over and over again. And I think, you know, sometimes life prepares you for things, even though you don't want to, to really know about it. Um, I wasn't surprised. I, I kind of knew. Well, did you know Olivia at this time? No, no, I didn't. I, I met her when I was six years old. Uh, at a at a concert when I was a kid. My dad worked for Conway Twitty, so he had an opportunity to introduce me when I was a child. And, and a picture of she and I when I was six is in my book. Um, fast forward, I'm going to say, oh my goodness, in 2012, I believe is when we met, and I had been diagnosed in 2005. So um, we met between... Uh, we met uh, because of Barry Gibb. I was friends with him first. And then she and I have become just almost like sisters. You know, when, when I was diagnosed with COVID recently, she was the, uh, the one that called me two or three times a day, every day. <laughs> so she's just such a, a caretaker. You know, she just wants to make sure everybody's healthy and, and doing well. So I just absolutely adore her. Well, let me ask you that. Was it finding the notes and all of those boxes is that what led you to think about writing your book? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I would not have done it if I had not been encouraged by my friend Kim. Uh, she, she too is a breast cancer survivor, and she, I write about her in the book as well. And she single-handedly told me that I gave her the encouragement to keep on with her treatments and her life, and and I'm. I, this is her words, not mine. It's uncomfortable for me to say, but she says I'm a, a ray of sunshine in her life. And I keep her inspired just by living, just by being happy and radiating life and excitement for new things to come. And because you can get, you know, if you if you've been diagnosed with something that dark, you can tend to get really sad and very uh, helpless feeling at times. So I really prayed to God during the darkest days of my life, if he would please just get me through this, I would try to be a ray of light for someone else that goes through things. And to be honest, doctor, I felt like I'd, I'd let him down on that in a way because I probably should have written this book a little earlier, but timing was just not there. I didn't want to talk about it. I, I didn't, I didn't bring any attention to it and I didn't want people to, to ask me questions about it because I thought, if, the more you talk about it, the more it's going to come to me. I didn't do any of the um, pink ribbons as, as much as people sent me. I was like, please, please, I'm scared to wear them. Um, but I just realized that was being selfish and it wasn't following through on my promise to him um, if I did not share the information that I had learned and and take my friend's 
compliment to me showing that I was an inspiration and, and full circle moment, I get my inspiration from Olivia. You know, she's, she's battling stage four. Um, now it's in her bones and I've yet to see her without a smile on her face and living large and challenging herself to do bigger and brighter things. And I just, I take a lot of my cue from her. Wow. Yeah. You know, she's had, she's had quite a battle. It's, it's been, uh, it's been a long battle for her, but like you said, she just keeps pushing forward. Well, the thing I love about her, um, her attitude more than anything is when she told me she was diagnosed again, she called me in the very beginning before the world even knew. And it's pretty heavy to know that about your friend. And then to know that it's getting ready to hit the media is, it's just so, um, heart wrenching. Um, I knew about her second battle too. She didn't even mention that uh, publicly until most recently, but um, she's taught me that you can live with it. It's not, it's not just a death sentence. And I think we've spoken before that I turned my attitude into it's a life sentence. It, it could take you down or you could change your mind and you could think positively and live boldly and and proud and happy and appreciating appreciating just nature and I, it challenged me when i saw how beautifully she was living to take my living up a notch and uh, i i wouldn't want to go through breast cancer again yeah. don't don't misunderstand but i am so grateful that i did because i now live my life so much better i'm i have much more empathy for people going through any health crisis, I've um, it's it's softened my heart, and I, I think it's probably made me a better person, you know. And you know, hopefully through the words of my book, you'll be able to sense all of that as well. Well, you know, your book is full <laughs> of a lot of life lessons, and yeah. you've had a interesting life thus far. And uh, so I'm sure that there'll be a part two to the autobiography as well. But uh, well, let's step back I in time. So. Yeah. So let's step back in time a bit, because what were your parents like growing up? Because I know your father was in the music business. <laughs> My parents were so cool. <laughs> they were just, um, and looking back, I looked at all of my um, my friends' parents, and although they were very sweet, they were boring. <laughs> just kidding my family um was my mom is so fun i mean she was just willing to it still is at 83 years old willing to go wherever i ask her to go with a smile on her face she's laughing all the time my dad passed away when he was 57 um he had a brain aneurysm mm. um but prior to that so charismatic so fun full of life people still to this day go, oh, your dad was awesome. He was, he helped me, you know, to save the artist, helped me to save money on the road. He taught me ways to, to, you know, be a better artist and on the road and business wise. And, but he was just a, a very stern, when he realized that he I was not going to give up on a music career, he realized that I needed to be uh, trained and more, he coached me more than anything. And I didn't like it at the time, but oh wow, he was he was so right. I hate to say that out loud. But <laughs> no, I get he that. Right. I mean, even when my dad passed away, you know, because you know when you're with your parents, you're, you know, there's kind of like it's kind of like an internal tug tug of war a bit. But then yes, when yeah. when they're gone, 
you start remembering the things that they taught you and those are the things that become a part of you and then you pass that down and I know. Um, and then I know. with you though i mean because your dad was big in the music industry i mean conway twitty and so many other artists how did you get into the music business oh my gosh well Again, I just think just life offers you hints as to what path you're supposed to be on. I don't know. Was that the same with you, with your path? Did you well, did you have a father that told you what you were going to do, or did you just kind of go, I think this is passion for me? No, he didn't t tell me, you know, he, you know, he kind of wanted me to follow in the natural health side, which I did, but yeah. television's really cool too, and I get to talk to cool people like you, so... Uh, <laughs> That's what um, what makes this job really, really fun. So it, it's well to answer your question. Yeah. Um, I my dad was a grocery store manager prior to Conway coming into our life, and he liked how my dad did business. And he asked if he would be you know helpful in working with his music industry too. I I was six years old writing my first song, so I don't know if I would have progressed into the music industry with or without Conway. But um, because I, w I grew up around the greats, I mean, it was not uncommon for Loretta Lynn or George Jones or Randy Travis to call. It, it really was not uncommon. I, I didn't think anything <laughs> of it. I just thought that was normal. Well, I was reading in your book, and, and, I, did, and it was, I think to me, I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember this. And you were on Star Search, and for a lot of you watching right now and listening, Star Search was the original American <laughs> Idol. Okay, it really was. It was, oh. and there were people who got famous from Star Search. But how did you yeah. get on there? But you also, uh, you won. I guess you won the round that you were on. I did. It was uh, I was the youngest at the time because they did not have the junior division. Okay, so they called us when I was 17 years old because I had already been working uh, as an opening act for a lot of artists and when I auditioned they said oh, we cannot break the rules it's really 18 will you come back next year and I thought they're they're just being polite you know but they did they came again the next year and they they had me come in and, and be part of the show I was so green <laughs> I was so excited to be there uh, when you see in the book, there's QR codes after every page. You can go back and look at my performance on Star Search within the book, like a live video performance. So it's, it's really cool. Um, but I sang uh, Tennessee Homesick Blues in a red fringe outfit. And uh, I competed against a girl named Teresa Henderson. She had been the champion for six weeks at that time. And the judges tied us. And then the first time in in star search history they threw it to the audience to break the tie and they tied us so i had to go back the next week and compete against tariva and another girl and i think her name was cynthia if i'm not thinking right but um anyway that was the first time in history i won that night so i got to come back another time and compete against another girl and i think i came back i came back a third time and didn't make the through the semifinals, but what a thrill and i you know i cannot throw enough praise and oh my such homage to the kids of today on american idol we did not have social media being you know 
tacky and talking about us behind our backs. Mm. They did it in their living rooms. <laughs> and then I didn't have to worry about that. But um, it, it was terrifying and thrilling and life altering at the same time. It was amazing. Yeah, and I'm sure that when you were watching American Idol, you're like, I know what they're feeling. I know what they're thinking. So you could actually relate to all of those uh, I, young people wanting to sing. I can, but I can't not. Uh, I, I would not be able to handle the pressure that they're under with social media. It, it yeah. is, the world is so... Uh, Judgmental. So judge. Yeah, and, and I didn't have that at the time. I'm, I'm grateful for it was in my era at Star Search. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. In your book... You got married at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. Your agent dumped you because it of it. So yep. what lessons did you learn during that time of your life? You really read my book, didn't you, Doc? <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> um, I was, I, you know, in, in hindsight, as an adult, I wish that he had just called me into his office and said, Hey, Kelly, I put a lot of effort and work into you. Are you sure this is really what you want to do? Because it could hinder, you know, some of your choices in life. I would give him anything if, if he had done that differently. But he was from an era, a generation that they just, he just didn't have much tolerance for, for my decision. And it broke my heart because I loved him and I loved working. I worked every weekend and I made excellent money all to marry Screech, you know, just like I hit a wall. And it wasn't that I was, um, it wasn't that I was so wanting more money or fame or anything. I just really was having fun. And then I wasn't. And my identity of who I was was really ended. It's it's almost like them saying you can't be a doctor anymore, wow. because you married somebody. Oh, okay. You know, and then what? Then after all that time that you have enjoyed being who you are, all of a sudden you were not. So it it taught me a lot of life lessons as to not put a lot of faith into any one person taking care of me. Or, and by that, I mean my agent and even more so my ex-husband. <laughs> so, well, do you, uh, do you regret that decision? Yes, very much, very much. Um, yes, all the time. Yeah. But uh, I do have beautiful kids and I'm, I am very, very grateful for them. And I know that's a, a cliche answer. Yeah. Um, but you know, life just evolves and, and we don't know what we're doing at 19 compared to 40, you know, where things would be different if I had time to think about them differently. But my parents had warned me not to get married that young and, um, <clears throat> not to bash my ex. It's, it's not that at all. We just were nothing alike. I was really just wanting to get out of the house. He asked. So I said, yes. So, well. <laughs> You know, well, I had I had the honor uh, to interview both you <laughs> and TG uh, yes. before, which is still just one of my favorite interviews, by the way. And I say that honestly, okay. uh, but it you have such this incredible love story between you and TG. Can you kind of walk us through a bit about that first date? And when did you know he was the one for you? Because there was an age difference there. 
You know, age difference has never been an issue for he and I. It, it, that is actually, it's one of the most positive things about our relationship. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I wish that I had been with him earlier in life, but who knows if that would have even been a, a good thing or not. Um, so I was, I've always known TG. I can't even remember really not knowing him as a fellow artist or a friend of the family or whatever, but I never thought of him like a, a romantic partner in any way. I, I mean, because of the age difference when I, when I was younger. Um, but I got married and, and I would still run into him at some, some music events. Um, one in particular was called um, Dream Makers Luncheon, where a lot of artists would get together and raise money for children and uh, get their wishes met. So I would run into him maybe every three or four years and it was always cordial. And But when I got married, he had gone through a divorce already. And again, it was years until I'd seen him again. He started dating a girl. He told me about my age. And I was like, whoa, oh my goodness. It, it, I had looked at him totally different then. And I was mad. And Jealous? Why? Oh, yes. Like, wow. And I'd never had any feelings for him prior to that moment. And I was just, and I, but my marriage had already begun to, rec I was recognizing that it was not, you know, super healthy for me. But I would never, ever have acted upon that. But I was really surprised that I had this feeling. So I came home and told my mom, I said, I saw TG at this Dream Makers luncheon today. She goes, oh, gosh, it's been forever. And she goes, how's he doing? I said, he's dating a girl my age. And she goes, oh, and how do you feel about that? And I said, well, how would you know I would have a problem with this? And she goes, Kelly, you've had a crush on him for years. I didn't even know it. You know, it was just like it wasn't that obvious. You know? And your mom so, saw it. Oh, my mom knew. And she always thought TG was kind to me and friendly to me. But I mean, we'd done a lot of, of shows together, but um, she wasn't surprised that that I would be upset. So fast forward many, many years, um, I went to a party and his first wife, Diana, she's super sweet. <clears throat> um, I ran into her after my divorce was final. And she goes, Kelly, how are you doing? And I, I told her and she goes, oh, did you know TG's single now? And I go, I, what, what does that have to do with anything? And she goes, hmm. I said, well, I, I hate that for him. I hope he's well. You know, I was dealing with my own stuff. And about two weeks later, he actually calls my mom's house. And I was coming in from the studio. And um, we started talking. And he says, I'm in town. And I would like to, um, to see you and, and catch up with you. And I thought, did his wife fix us up? This is so weird. You his ex-wife is playing matchmaker. She did. And once I spoke with her about it many months later, um, she said, you know, of all the people that I've known that he could possibly be a great match with, I just think you're great. And I think y'all would make a good, either that or she really does not like us and wanted to see us burn. You know? so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's actually had a little evil plan that you don't know about. That's well, funny, but uh, but you but you describe the first date in the book, and uh, so so since everybody seemed to kind of know that you had a crush on TG, what was that first date like? Oh my gosh, I was 
instantly when, well when we met at hooters <laughs> which i write about in the book which i'm not proud of that nor, nor should he be <clears throat> he was coming into nashville from a, a gig and he was getting on the bus to go somewhere else and he said i am with the guys in the band and they're at hooters w would you come see me and i'm like gonna go at 11 o'clock at night to Hooters ever while I was putting my lipstick on getting ready to go out the door. I was so excited that he called, you know, I could not believe it. And my sister and mom were, were like, absolutely not. We're going with you. And I'm like, you know, so I went down there and it was the first time I looked at him as an, an equal, like the age difference was not there. The marriages were not there. And we listened to my songs that I just recorded in the studio that night. And it's the first time he saw me as a writer and really heard me as an adult. And I fell in love with him that night. Instant. Like I, if he had asked me to marry him that night, I would have. Really? Had, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I would not even think a thing about it. Well, so when you um, told that to when eventually when you told Tiki that little story, what was his reaction? He felt the same, but he is slower to commitment. He's slower to um, he, had, he had gone through two really rough divorces. OK, so financially, he was in a weird spot. He, he went through a real financial crumble. Um, Emotionally, he was still kind of raw from that. And I was way well past my, my, you know, divorce. Um, and, and we chose not to go out with each other until his divorce was completely final. So that we saw each other that night with my mom and sister, but I didn't see him until a few weeks later, you know, um, to go on an actual date. The actual first date that we went on was really cool because um, we went to, I went to see him in concert in Mississippi. And my mom was so mad at me considering getting on his bus and driving to Mississippi. It looks suspicious. I will say, yeah. um, he couldn't have been more of the gentleman. He was so sweet and so kind. We just talked all night long, talked about what my expectations in life were, where I was disappointed, how, you know, talked about divorce and marriage and what my hopes were for the future. It was, it was just the most beautiful conversation that I've ever had with an adult, especially a male, because I had been used to somebody who had nothing in common with me whatsoever. So it was, it was such a breath of fresh air and I would have married him that night too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, let's talk about, you know, the title of your autobiography is I'm not going anywhere, which is actually the song you wrote that is, that's really just gone across America and more people are learning who the actual singer is, which is <laughs> you. How did this song come about? Oh my. Um, well, I wrote this song three or four months before I was diagnosed. Um, so in 2004, I guess, um, I had written it. I had been seeing a friend of mine taking care of her elderly husband and he had doctors and nurses around him, but I could tell that he was only comforted when she would say, honey, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. And I thought that, that is really sweet. I'd never seen that before. So that song kind of came to me and I wrote it. And a few months later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And <laughs> lo and behold, 
don't don't write something unless you really want it to come true is what I have found to be uh, in my life. TG said those exact same words back to me and um, the comfort was beautiful at that point. Uh, he and Crystal Gale recorded that. It ended up on a um, movie for uh, Burt Mill is one of his latest last movies before he passed called The Deal. And then I just thought it was kind of over. I didn't think any more about the song. And in January of 2020, I got uh, a letter from my music administrator and they said, there's a hospital that would like to use yours for a local commercial, your song. And would you be willing to do that? And I thought, okay, you know, <laughs> they'd seen me on uh, um, a Bluebird Cafe performance on YouTube. And also they had come out to film me on TG regarding my breast cancer story. So that video played in their um, their lobbies for a few months. I guess, I don't know how they really heard about the song other than those three op two opportunities, but <clears throat> it did so well in Nashville that they ended up taking it national to all of their, their areas. It's not all over the country, but it's in 22 spots. Wow. And um, how people found out about who it was at the end of it, there's a tiny, tiny little print um, sung and sung and writ written and sung by a uh, former breast cancer patient at St. Thomas Ascension, Kelly Lang. But it's so tiny, you can hardly even see it. So people started shazamming me, and Doc, I've made the Shazam charts. I was shazammed so many times all over the country because people wanted, it resonated with people. And, and timing is everything, and the fact that it came out right when the pandemic was hitting and so many people were needing that comfort and the words are very inspirational to some people. I've, I've been getting the most beautiful letters from people saying that that song helped them get through leaving their family at a nursing home or in the hospital. They would sing my song to their, their family members. And my, the most recent one, if, I don't, if you don't mind me sharing, yeah. is a man named Charlie Newland from Illinois, I believe. Um, he told me that his wife had died a year ago and that he plays my song every day in honor of her. Oh. And so I actually called him and and spoke with him and his daughter, Heather, and sent him a book um, because he, he was just so, it was tender to my heart to, to see a man reach out to me about my song. It was very sweet. You know, we have talked about this song before, before you had written your book. And it's it's the type of song that uh, can be played at weddings. It can be mm -hmm. played at memorial services. Uh, it's just a moving song. And I remember the video that you made. You made the video of your own song. I mean, you made the video. You sat there and put the whole thing together. And it's just, it's touching. It's moving. It's a beautiful song. And, uh, you know, with now that you have the book, you know, when you look back, what are some of the biggest life, life lessons that you have actually learned up till now? <clears throat> well, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Um, I think to not take yourself seriously, to um, find humor and even the darkest of days, because you know, although it may be dark today, it's not going to be as dark maybe tomorrow. And and uh, I've learned to um, not assume anything. And, and I, I I don't know. I just 
I appreciate things so much bigger than I once did before. And I, I don't take anything or anyone for granted because things change in a blink of an eye. You know, and I think, you know, reading through your story, I can see that there is a life. And I think a lot of people need to realize that, you know, God gives us second chances. And oh, yeah. you, you had a second chance at love. You had a second chance at life. You even had a second chance within your career because with the agent saying no, but you end up being this great songwriter for some of the biggest artists in music. <laughs> so everything for you really came full circle and, you know, and for everyone, ladies and gentlemen, when you read Kelly's book, I'm not going anywhere. I think one of the underlying themes is that you, and I know, I know for a fact that you and even TG have a very deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I, I really cannot imagine how anyone gets through life without prayer and without belief in him because he is our anchor. He's everything to us. And, and I, I don't even care if it makes anybody uncomfortable. I will speak of my relationship with Jesus and, and my heavenly father till the cows come home. He is everything to me. And, you know, TG and I, we don't get an opportunity to go to church as often as we would like because we work so much on weekends, but we love to watch, you know, TV and, and get our opportunities to watch our favorite pastors on, on screen. And, and uh, I have recently been going back to my Sunday school class. So it's, it's kind of neat to see everybody. Once I've had COVID, I'm like, I feel a little bit braver. <laughs> so, I have the antibodies. I can go. Me too. <laughs> Got it. But it's, it is, um, I just, I, I just, he's got, God is such got a wonderful sense of humor. And I think I talk to him like he's my friend. He is my friend. And my prayers are very, probably very childlike to him. I don't have all of the, uh, the Bible scriptures memorized, but he's in my heart and I know he is. And, uh, I just, I love to share him with people. Well, you know, as you are as bright as the sun today, uh, <laughs> even the glory of God shines through you. Uh, every uh -huh. time that we have talked, uh, we, the subject always comes up. And you're such a wonderful person. Ladies and gentlemen, you have got to read I'm Not Going Anywhere by Kelly Lang. It is an absolute fantastic, not just a story, it's life. And when you read it, and this is why, ladies and gentlemen, like I like to talk to people like Kelly, because every person has a story. Every mm -hmm. person has a story in which we can learn from. And, you know, for a lot of us, when we read somebody else's story, it can actually help us not to make certain uh, mistakes or choices in life. Uh, yes. So, Kelly, we thank you for doing that for us. <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna die here if I don't plug up. <laughs> oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, one of my um, my favorite things about my book is that I've never done it before. I've I've never written like this before. If I can do it, you can too. If if I've got scars and I'm willing to share my scars and 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 show my weaknesses, um, I think it helps people to not feel so alone in their situations and. 
I, I'm just I'm just willing to be an open vessel throughout this book, and I hope that you felt that too. Absolutely, and not only that, this is probably one of the, I think it's the first book, Kelly, that I've ever seen that had the coolest feature within the whole <laughs> book is all of these uh, these QR codes, and that you can literally, ladies and gentlemen, you, you take your phone and you bring up your camera and you put it over that Q code, and then, like you said. The videos, your your videos would pop up and other information. It just it really brings the whole book to life. Thank you. I, I some of them are fun. Some of them are just kind of silly stories, side stories. But some of them are how I really felt during diagnosis or cancer or, or chemo or radiation. So it it's got a roller coaster of emotions throughout the videos that I was able to do, but they all correlate with each chapter that you have in there. They're not random in any way. Whatever you've just read, you're going to see something to back it up with. Yeah, I love it. So ladies and gentlemen, so Kelly, where can all of my viewers and listeners buy your book? Oh, thank you. <laughs> they can get an autographed copy, paperback or hardback on kellylang.net. I autograph all of those. Please let me know if you want them personalized or just my name on those, because that could be given as a gift. I don't want to mess up. Um, or you can get them on Amazon in a Kindle format, which is the ebook, hardback or paperback. And that's how those I read mine. I read the ebook. And yes. uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to go to Kelly Lang. Uh, is it KellyLangMusic.net or Kelly Lang? No, just KellyLang.net. KellyLang.net. And to get the autographed copy. So, ladies and gentlemen, seriously, take it from me. I read every book that comes to me. This one is a fantastic read. And and for those of you who don't know the types of books that I do read, I seriously only read autobiographies and biographies. I don't read fiction because I we all live in a life that is real. And that's what mm -hmm. I want to be. But ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be so blessed and just read so many great stories. And Kelly, you tell TG I said hello because your husband is still one of the greatest storytellers I've ever I met. I agree. I, I just think he's fascinating. Um, one other thing, if, if there's any TG Shepherd fans that will be listening to our, our conversation, um, I'm really grateful that he put a chapter in my book as well from a man's perspective because there's so many men that do not support their wives going through something like breast cancer uh, or even partners, period. You know, it's just uh, he was so good to me during this period of time and it bonded us closer together. And his chapter really impicts that, I'm afraid. It does. And I know that we have talked about that. That is the, one of the most incredible stories of love between you and TG. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard my interviews with Kelly and TG in the past, read the book. You will be blessed by this story. And for a lot of you, who knows, it may rekindle some love between <laughs> you and your spouse. So uh, you never know. But oh. Kelly Lang's amazing autobiography, I'm Not Going Anywhere. And so again, go to kellylang.net. And as for me, I'm not going anywhere because I will be right back after this. Thank you, Doc. <laughs>